Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. To those of you who are season one listeners, welcome back. And to those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome to season two of the Pregnancy Wellness Podcast hosted by me, Pip. I'm a practicing midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness, especially when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. Do you find yourself with lots of pregnancy questions unanswered? Do you feel that extra midwifery support would be useful to you? Do you fully understand how to enhance your pregnancy wellness? You are in good hands. This podcast is for you. Alongside this, I have also been busy creating a 12-month pregnancy journey support group and course to provide you with a whole package of expert wellness and pregnancy information to guide you every step of the way, leaving no stone unturned from trimester one right through to trimester four. And I'm now enrolling expectant mums in their first trimester. Spaces will be limited, so if you think this sounds like you, get in touch through my social media or at midwifepip.com. Over the upcoming 15 episodes, I'm excited to be chatting with expert guests and real women on this season to bring you honest, evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy wellness journey. I hope these episodes leave you feeling positive and empowered. And don't forget, for more support and birth preparation, to check out my website, midwifepip.com, for your free birth preference plan download. I hope that you are sat comfortably and ready for the midwife chats and knowledge bombs to commence. Pregnancy is a powerful time to nourish yourself and your baby towards a healthier future. It's an empowering change that you can make yourself to directly improve the health of your family for the present and for the future. Healthy eating habits have arguably never been more important than during pregnancy, and yet it's an area that we do not discuss nearly half as much as we should. This is an area of women's health I am super passionate about. So this week, I'm really excited to be joined by Lucinda Miller, to discuss why we should all be taking more notice of our nutrition in pregnancy and understanding how powerful it really can be. 
Lucinda Miller is the founder of NatureDoc and runs a team of UK-wide nutritional therapists specialising in pregnancy, baby and child nutrition. She's been practising as a naturopath for over 20 years, qualified in functional medicine and is the author of the best-selling family cookbook, The Good Stuff. Her weaning Bible will be published in May 2021. She's a mum of three, living in Wiltshire, and is the perfect guest to have on today to talk about why we should be considering our nutrition much more in pregnancy. So welcome, Lucinda, and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Pip, it's lovely to meet you at last, and so nice to meet someone who else lives in Wiltshire. Yeah, which is brilliant, and it's amazing how we've been able to connect over social media, but actually are pretty much neighbours, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) It is a small world. So Lucinda, I know the world is crazy busy at the moment, so I'm truly, really grateful to you giving up some of your time to share your expertise, because this really is a very under-discussed subject that we need to start kind of lifting the lid on, I think, and getting some good information out there to all these pregnant mums. Oh, well, I have a real passion about this. Um, so as you said, we specialize in pregnancy and baby and children's health in our clinic. And we see far too many kids with allergies and gut issues and all sorts of developmental issues. And um, when you look at all the research, there's a lot of evidence that if you get pregnancy nutrition right, then less of these things are going to happen. So that's why I want to educate as many of the newly pregnant mummies so that they can make the wise choices and help their baby be easier and happier and develop really well. Absolutely. It's kind of a no-brainer when you think of it like that. But if we haven't got the information, then we we don't know about these changes, do we? So it's, it's fantastic to have people like you out there kind of advocating for it. I love that. Now, I wonder, Lucinda, if you could just explain a little bit, if we kind of backtrack to um, kind of your um, route into the kind of practice that you are in now, what kind of led you to creating um, your Nature Docs company and then becoming the functional medicine practitioner that, that you are today? So when I was in my mid-20s, I had a lot of fatigue. I spent a lot of time sleep in the loo on the way to work um and um i used to fall asleep at parties you know i literally was just exhausted all the time i tried to have a normal life but didn't wasn't really working and um someone said to me go and see this naturopath she'll sort you out and within literally 10 days of changing my diet a bit and taking a few nutrients and things i felt fantastic and i just thought i really want to retrain and do this and um this is i kind of got the sort of passion right from the get-go and then um, I've got three lovely children. Um, the eldest is 19 and they go down to 12. And I guess I became really interested in nutrition uh, for the babies during pregnancy. And uh, they all had little niggles that we had some iron out along the way when they were young. And um, so I just sort of got this passion and I realized that there was very little information out there. Um, and I had to dig very deep. And this was the time before social media. And I'm so surprised that it hasn't moved on more since, you know, over all that time. So I'm here still sort of championing great nutrition for pregnancy and hoping that the message will get through. Oh, and I'm so pleased that you are still championing it. And, and, and like you, I kind of agree that the, the evidence is so compelling now. And yet the message just isn't kind of out there in, in a kind of widespread um 
way way yet so we've, we've still got some way to go for sure mm-hmm. and we spoke about these um kind of terms lucinda so the naturopath and then the, the functional medicine what for our for our listeners what do those roles kind of mean and, and how are they i guess different so a naturopath is someone who practices natural medicine as such and we're not doctors obviously but we we look at diet we look at lifestyle um, we might use nutrients to support someone if they're low so they're low in iron or zinc we're putting in those supplements plus the foods um, and then functional medicine's taking it to the next level really it's basically doing a lot of laboratory tests to identify very precise nutritional needs and metabolic pathways. So for instance, um, if someone's had complicated pregnancies in the past and they're keen to have a less complicated pregnancy going forward, we might do a full metabolic workup, which would look at thyroid and adrenal health and vitamins and minerals and gut health to see what might be going on. So really, we see the more complicated people in our clinic. Um, But I'm hoping today what I'm going to provide is the simple stuff that you can do at home. Yeah, that's brilliant. The everyday changes that we can make that will have this amazing um, impact on not just our health, but that health of that little, little human that we're growing, which is kind of what everyone's focused on, isn't it, in pregnancy, for sure. Absolutely. So Lucinda, I wonder why in the kind of modern times in which we live where we've got this abundance of food and this abundance of choice, why do we think that nutrition and pregnancy is still an issue that we haven't kind of optimised or addressed? Well, a lot of it's the way that modern habits play in our diet and nutrition these days. So a lot of the time when we see people, we say, what do you eat? And they go, well, I'm gluten-free, I'm dairy-free, I don't eat red meat, I don't eat this, I don't eat that. So it's a very don't sort of mindset. And actually, they forget what they should be eating. So that's part of it, the mindset of people trying to exclude things. And so often they need to include more because we end up with a very narrow diet. People get into habits. You know, they eat the same breakfast every day, the same lunch every day. They might vary their dinner. So usually the evening meal is quite varied and quite good. And that's what people think about. They think, well, I had fish that day and chicken the other day and beans the other. But actually they forget that breakfast and lunch is pretty samey every single day. And of course, variety really counts. Um, The other thing is that we're really tempted now um, by convenience food. I mean, you walk into any supermarket and everything's in a brightly coloured packet. It looks amazing. And it's slightly made us think, oh, maybe we're not very good at cooking. Maybe we need something out of packet. Maybe it won't be so tasty. They'd be very clever. I think British marketing particularly has been particularly clever. I think, you know, you go to anywhere abroad and actually everything's a bit sort of bling and plastic. But over here, we have these rather nice and calming packets, which look rather, rather tempting. Um, So what's happened is, you know, when we were all growing up and our parents growing up, we had, of course, there were processed foods, but we might have eaten 10, 15, maybe 20 percent of our diet out of that. So that could have been cereal for breakfast or the old biscuit or the old pudding or something like that but now over 50 percent of our shopping trolleys are filled with convenience ultra processed processed foods so that all the things you buy and you think oh that's easy and it could be in a packet of noodles or it could be you know some rather nice looking crisps or biscuits um, or it could be a sauce and these things are full of ingredients that are quite inflammatory and of course inflammatory foods are not very good for mummies and babies so My biggest tip if people want to be really healthy is to cook from scratch as much as possible. 
And that's not just dinner, as I said, it's breakfast and lunch too. So I know that sounds really overwhelming, but it could be literally having scrambled eggs on some toast for breakfast, um, some good quality toast, something like sourdough or something, um, rather than the really highly processed white stuff. Um, and then you might, um, or you might go for a bowl of porridge and you could have some nut butter or seeds in there or some berries on top. And then for lunch, you could have, um, you could even have, um, you know, a tin of mackerel and some salad or a soup. Um, I mean, and again, those aren't too processed. Actually, you can buy a lot of those in, the, you know, the good ones, the fresh ones. Um, so if you're in a rush or, you know, obviously at work or something, it's quite tricky sometimes. And then the evening to make an evening meal. And then for snacks, think, well, maybe I'm going to have a piece of cheese and an apple rather than a packet of crisps or some hummus and oat cakes. Um, a, rather than a biscuit so it's trying to have slightly healthier they don't have to be totally cooked from scratch but sort of as if the ingredients you can imagine what they've been made out of when I think what happens is you can look at a label and you can see 24 36 different ingredients and a lot of them don't you don't recognize them as food they're something but and what they've done is they've refined that food down to make it a little tastier a bit thicker to have a longer shelf life but again these foods are not recognized by the human body very easily and it can make the body inflamed and basically what i was saying to you is is the essence to staying healthy during pregnancy is not driving inflammation and inflammation is the thing that could drive something like having an, a, a baby early like preeclampsia it could be due to the diabetes it could be aches and pains it could be tiredness or headaches um, it could just be literally just putting on more weight than you should or your metabolism going out of sync so it's really good to try and cook from scratch really as much as possible um, do your best and we don't have to do it all the time I was the sort of an 80 20 rule um, because there's always temptation and it's you know we're always you know people are in a rush they have have your packet of cereal or something occasionally you know have a bit of cereal occasionally but not all the time or a biscuit but just not every day so it's all about habits rather than um, being absolutely perfect yeah I think definitely in other words if we if we aim for perfection then we always feel disappointed if we don't achieve what what we planned um, and I am all for that 80 20 rule Lucinda because I am a self-confessed chocoholic but I think actually I can have that bit of bit of chocolate that I really enjoy because my meals have been full of nice, nutritious, fresh ingredients. And actually, when we think about that cooking from scratch, like you said, it can feel super overwhelming when you think of it initially. But like you say, opening a can of mackerel or chopping up a bit of salad actually is no slower than a microwave pasta meal. You know, that's it's, it's equal in terms, of, in terms of time. And the more you do it, the more you get used to it, the quicker you get at it as well, don't you? It just becomes part of your routine. And there are some things which are super easy, you know, pouring hot water over couscous or over quinoa or things like that. You know what I mean? It, it can be quite simple as well. So it doesn't need to be complicated or yeah. stir fry um, or even just making a really, really nice chunky sandwich with just really good ingredients in it and having some extra salad on the side or something. Definitely. And batch cooking as well, because then you can freeze things and, and make everything quicker. You've almost got the convenience foods there then, but you've made them from scratch. So it's a, it's a double win, isn't it, really, I suppose? <laughs> You definitely want to batch cook towards the end of your pregnancy as well, because you need as much good food as possible when you're breastfeeding. You will become so hungry, you won't believe it. So it's unbelievably important to have tons of food in the freezer. And everyone says, look, what's the most important thing that you get for when the baby arrives? And I say a bigger freezer. <laughs> yeah, I love that. 
a slow cooker and a big freezer. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. That's a brilliant tip. <laughs> I say that we're we're a household where we have like a freezer in the kitchen and then a freezer in the garage, pretty much for that reason. The one in the garage has got my lunches in for my long shifts so that I can, you know, grab something out. And it's usually a surprise because I forget to label them, but I know it's going to be uh, healthy and filling. So that's always good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have a really good Sharpie or something like that? That's really important. Gosh, <laughs> I've had so many surprises as well about labeling them properly. <laughs> Amazing. So when we come to kind of nutrition and pregnancy, Lucinda, what are the benefits of trying to optimize that for, for our mums and, and babies that are growing inside? So first of all, it's about having the healthiest pregnancy possible for you. So you feel well, you, that you really bloom, that you can, you know, I think a lot of people are worried about maybe not being able to go back to work. So it's just being able to optimize that so you don't feel unwell, you're able to, you know, attend work or or whatever you're doing or looking after your other children or your mother or whatever your life is, um, is just being able to do that. So you think about that first. Secondly, it's really nourishing the development of your baby and those nutrients really do go through to your baby. It's unbelievably important. But it's also getting those stores ready for when you're breastfeeding um, and after the birth as well. Now, not everybody breastfeeds, of course, but I think a lot of people intend to, even if they don't. And even those first few days and having good stores of nutrients in your breast milk are really, really important. Um, and um, so, And it's also to help make sure that you do have a full-time pregnancy if possible. Obviously, there are genetics and, you know, risk factors and, you know, gosh, so many different reasons why a baby might come early. My mum was born at 30 weeks, um, which is pretty early, and, you know, but she survived, which is pretty amazing. And she was wrapped up in cotton wool and put on a radiator because... Oh, brilliant. She, yeah. <laughs> improvisation, I love that. Absolutely. So yeah, no, it's all possible. But you know, and and the other thing is preeclampsia, which is a horrible, you get this incredibly high blood pressure, and it's a very high risk for both mummy and baby. Um, and, you know, some people are amazing and do go on to have other children, but often people stop at that point. And so they won't go beyond having one baby because it was such a trauma for them and for the baby. Um, so it does sort of, I'm, some people just choose to have one baby anyway, but it really can really make that decision very strong going forward and some people do have hopes and dreams of having more than one um and so you know trying to prevent that so with that if um there are certain things that we found um that can really help to prevent these sort of big things happening so um <clears throat> one of them is th there was actually it was not controversial, but it was just not liked <laughs> the study that was came out last August which is saying that people who, women that drink lots of caffeine when they're pregnant are more likely to have preeclampsia, more likely to have um, an early birth. Um, and of course, being in an, an a, you know, in a NICU, NICU unit of a hospital is pretty traumatic for everybody, especially if there are other children. So I think there's always this thing, I'll have a cup of tea, put your feet up and have a piece of cake sort of thing, and actually try to find some teas that you really like that aren't caffeinated. Mm -hmm. So Roybosch, we found, is a lovely one, which isn't caffeinated, but it tastes a bit more like tea. So if you really want to just swap something a little bit more simple, you can get at all the supermarkets. Um, and then there are some really specialist herbal teas for pregnancy that are safe. Um, we um, have an online shop where we sell lots of pregnancy and 
vitamins and all sorts of things. And um, one brand that we love is called Hot Tea Mama, and they're based just outside um, Marlborough as well. So they're all very close by. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, they're over on um, Instagram as well, I think, aren't they? I've seen seen their teas, and they seem to be an absolute hit with the pregnant mums that I've spoken to. Yeah, they're amazing because they can help with the sickness and all those things along the way. So it's nice to have a cup of tea, but maybe not caffeinated. Obviously, some people will go for a caffeine-free normal tea. And that's okay too, because um, if they like the taste, but obviously the herbs have got some benefits, which may help you just sleep better or, you know, feel more relaxed or feel less sick, etc. Um, so yes, and um, yeah, so and the, the other thing which is really important to optimize during pregnancy in terms of helping with just preventing any sort of ups and downs along the way, or early, as I said, early birth, is um, something called omega-3. Mm -hmm. Omega-3 is from oily fish, hence my mention of mackerel <laughs> at lunch. <laughs> so oily fish is things like salmon, trout, um, mackerel, sardines. You obviously can't have the seafood when you're pregnant, so you have to stick to those. Um, and these are, are different from the cods and the whitefish because they've got the oil in them. And it's the oil that really nourishes both mommy's brain and baby's brain and helps with baby's development. Um, and um, so it's been found that omega-3 can prevent postnatal depression. So if you are that type of person who has slightly up and down nature or is finding the whole thing quite stressful, whatever, you know, we're all going through COVID at the moment, everyone's quite stressed. So it's quite a good thing to get into your system quite early on so that you're feeding yourself and your baby with that because it's important for your baby's eye development. It's also important for their brain. Um, it really, really helps with learning and memory and all those things. You know, there are so many kids with dyslexia, dyspraxic, ADD, you know, all these things now. And actually, um, there's a lovely researcher. He's in his late 80s now and he's still working at Imperial College. And he is the sort of godfather of omega-3 and he advises women to start taking omega-3 supplements and to eat lots of fish and shellfish three to four months before they even fall pregnant because he thinks it's so important so there are you know so it, it's a sort of key one during pregnancy to try and get in um obviously some people aren't fish eaters for many reasons they might be vegetarian or vegan and that's you know, it's harder to get it in. You can get it through walnuts. So you can eat lots of walnuts or make walnut pesto or something like that. You can get it through flax seeds, which are linseeds, and they're marvellous with constipation because a lot of women do experience constipation during pregnancy, um, and they're great. Um, then um, you've got things as well as hemp seeds, which you can't really get in supermarkets. You'd have to get in a health food shop or online. And those, again, are, are full of omega-3. Um, but and then you in organic whole milk so the blue top whole milk there is a little bit more omega-3 because it's been grass-fed and the same with meat any grass-fed meat so so you know when it sort of says out, outdoor reared blah 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 those are usually grass-fed they might have been topped up with but and those those meats are a bit more omega-3 rich so it's better to go for the better meats if you're going to, if you're a meat eater um so but it's still quite hard to get the omega-3 in because it doesn't convert very easily so you only get a maximum of 10 percent versus the fish wow. which isn't very much no you have to have a huge amount of walnuts and things you know that is a lot of walnuts 
Exactly. So this is why um, a lot of women turn to supplementation because they might not like fish or they don't eat fish or whatever. So there are some excellent um, omega-3 fish oils that you can buy, but also vegan ones made from marine algae. Um, and um, I am very happy if anyone emails me to advise or they're on our site anyway. So um, they're, they're easy to source. Um, and you take them every day and you take them for at least three months after having the baby and, you know, possibly even up to a year, depending on how you're doing um, and how long you're breastfeeding for. Basically, it sort of helps, as I said, feed the baby, feed your brain too. Um, so omega-3 is really, really important, um, and um, it is quite important to get good quality. Um, you can get them from the supermarkets. You can get them from, you know, sort of discount vitamin stores and things like that. Um, but just always check that they've been um, properly um, purified because sometimes they can contain contaminants like um, mercury and plastics and things, which um, is a worry for some people. So just get the best quality you can. Um, and that might mean a few more pennies, but it will be worth it in the end. Yeah, that's really great advice. So listen, if someone is looking, they've started their, their sort of search or their hunt online or in shops for the omega-3s, is there anything particular they should be looking out, out for other than that kind of purification? Is there different doses or or kind of ingredients in them? So um, the one to look out for, it's called DHA. Um, and normally they will say they're for pregnancy. So I would find, you know, an omega-3 that says for pregnancy and then it will be the right amount. Um, and um, so it's usually between 500 milligrams and 1,000 milligrams a day, depending on, um, you know, so the potency. I mean, they, they vary a little bit depending. But looking, looking out for it, it says DHA, and that's the important one to look out for. Amazing, amazing. So that's what everyone will be Googling now, hopefully. <laughs> and listening away, Googling Omega 3s. And I will um, link in the description of the podcast is Lucinda's um, website, Nature Doc. So you can always have a little look on there mm -hmm. and be assured that you're getting some good stuff if you um, purchase through there. Amazing. And so, are there any other kind of um, sort of specific nutrients that we should be looking at during pregnancy to really optimize our health Lucinda? Well let's go right back to the beginning of the pregnancy and the first trimester, the first 12 weeks um, and um, I think pretty much everyone's heard of folic acid and probably your midwife will mention folic acid to you. Folic acid comes from your greens, your green veg, so broccoli, kale, but also green salads, so the dark ones, you know, the ones with the baby spinach and baby, you know, all those chard and all those ones, you know, this, the, 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 the darker salads, so not iceberg lettuce, okay, basically. Um, and um, the, you can also get folate in some eggs and um, nuts and seeds and things like that, but generally it, it's the greens and the eggs, if you think about it like that. Um, and um, so most people do really, really well on taking a simple folic acid and a lot of people get pregnant care or something like that, no problem. However, there are about 60% of the population have a gene and that gene is it's called MTHFR. You probably won't know you've got it because not many people go down that route unless there's been a problem indicators. You might have MTHFR and I'm not saying this is for sure, but it will give you an indicator is that maybe you might have had a few miscarriages, so more than one miscarriage. Um, the other thing is if there's autoimmunity in the family or you have an autoimmune condition of any sort, um, then that may be 
one of the things that are in there. Um, the other thing is if your folic acid supplement is making you feel sick or weird or strange, again, you may have that. So that's when people go and purchase a different type of folate, um, and it's called methyl tetrahydrofolate. Sorry to be complicated. rolled off your tongue. <laughs> Horribly long word. But what it really means is it will say it has a bioavailable B vitamin on the side of the label. Um, it might say calcium alpholinate. It might say there are difference. But basically, if it says folic acid, that will be the synthetic form that's in the normal basic vitamins that you get it's also the folic acid they add to Weetabix and they add to bread um, so that's a synthetic form that 60% of people genetically can't synthesize so what happens is it sticks in the blood and it doesn't convert into the cell so it doesn't get through to the baby so you could be chugging away on your your pregnancy vitamins with the folic acid in and it may not be getting through to your baby so that's why it's really important to try and get the veg in as much as possible um, and then to top up potentially, as I said, if you feel you're, you fit, tick those boxes. And the other thing is, I don't know, if the family have got sort of neurological issues, they might have some MS, um, there may be some cousins or something with autism or something like that. Um, potentially, there are potentials that, that you may want to go down the folate route rather than the folic acid route. Now, why is folic acid so important? Why is folate so important? Because it prevents cleft palate. Um, and cleft palate is, um, you, if your baby has that, they will endure lots of operations and they will probably find it quite tricky to speak. But it also affects the midline. So it's it affects any area all the way down the middle of the body. So it can, on a very, very mild form, cause tongue tie. And that is one of the biggest problems when newborns arrive is that they can't latch on to the breast and they can't feed properly. And that gives all the crying and all the thing, a lot of the problems it's because they just their tongue is too tightly attached to the bottom of their mouth. Um, and so what they need to do is have it lasered or snipped off, which can take time. And it's, you know, it just makes the beginning of motherhood quite stressful. So getting those folate levels are really, really important for the baby. But also there is are indicators that they can prevent postnatal depression as well. So actually what I say to the mums is to carry on with the folate after the baby's born, because that will help to keep them sort of cheery as well and keep them strong because it gives them a bit of energy. I think quite often people think they'll take their folic acid or the folate for that first 12 weeks and then don't need it anymore. But actually, that's a really great way of sort of thinking, actually continue it throughout. So in terms of the baby, you only really need it for the first 12 weeks. But then I was saying just after the pregnancy, you might want to return to it. But some people do choose to take it all the way along if they sort of say, well, I'm not really good on my greens, don't like veg. You know, there are some people who just really can't get their head around it. Or they felt really sick all the way through pregnancy. You know, some people just do and they just, it's sort of last thing they want. Now, the other thing that goes alongside folate, sort of buddy with it, it's called choline. And choline is really important for memory and learning and development, but it's also really important for um, emotional regulation. So um, it will help you 
stay really strong and very calm, but it will also help your baby to come out lovely and calm. And everyone wants a calm baby. Everyone wants a calm baby that's going to sleep well and be chilled out. So choline comes alongside with folate. And you get that from eggs, you get it from peanut butter, you can get it from things like cream cheese, sunflower seeds, whole grains, greens. So you can see where all these really healthy, very nutrient-dense foods keep on coming back over and over again and these are really really beneficial so we all want a child that's going to do well at school we all want a child that's going to be mellow we want a child that doesn't have all these horrible tantrums and so forth and it just is really really important so as i said it's imagine it's just something that's so important for that whole emotional regulation it regulates your autonomic nervous system which helps you rest it helps you digest it helps you be chilled it helps you learn it helps you bright so it's all the really important things in life really Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, amazing. We all need some more of that in our lives, especially at the moment, don't we? If we gave it 19, absolutely chilled vibes would be amazing. So we've got our folic acid or folate and our choline and our omega-3s. They're kind of our top three nutrients to be kind of thinking about in pregnancy. So hopefully that helps lots of mums navigate their kind of diet at the moment. Um, and just having that kind of balanced whole whole diet with with real food in it and trying to limit those kind of those processed packaged foods really if possible. Mm-hmm. Now we've talked a lot about what women need to do, Lucinda, in pregnancy. Where do men fit into this? Because they're kind of part of it, right? <laughs> of course they are. Absolutely they are. Well, some amazing women are doing this on their own and I really admire them. Yeah. Um, and, um, or they're doing it with another woman when I really, you know, that, and that's cool because they got sort of two to feed, which is great. But um, yes, I mean, I think um, the man, I think um, hoping that your man will become rather handy in the kitchen is really, really critical because there are going to be times when you really are feeling exhausted or emotional. Um, and I think, you know, it's a man that can follow a shopping list and go and get what you've asked them to get. Because sometimes I, I, I used to get quite bothered if he got the wrong thing, even if yeah. it said the right thing on the label, it just didn't seem right. Um, and also just to, you know, help with, with the washing up and things like that, all those other bits and pieces. But if they're handy in the kitchen, actually can make a meal. Um, and But my tip is that men sometimes really need proper instructions. So um, this is not to belittle my husband at all, but it just is a, just totally a, a, a true story. <laughs> our third baby, so this is our third time round. It wasn't first time round. Third baby um, had a few little issues when he was little with his settling and things like that in the evening. And that's the time when you are pretty much breastfeeding or feeding anyway all evening. And I was absolutely starving and exhausted. And he said, oh, Donna, what's for supper tonight? I said, lamb chops. So anyway, about an hour and a half later, I came down having, you know, finally got the little one into bed. And there were two pork chops, two lamb chops sitting on a plate with not (laughs) potato, not a piece of veg, nothing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And if I said lamb chops, broccoli, carrots and potatoes, He'd have done them all. 
but you know and it was just one of those things so do give them the right instructions love that he did exactly what you said he cooked lamb chops (laughs) (laughs) the sort of thing that would happen in my house as well (laughs) sure they've done worried about the most important thing the meat and everything else just gets forgotten absolutely and they were very literal you know and you know and so i just you know that's just my little tip um, <laughs> clear instructions <laughs> brilliant <laughs> now I think we would be um, being unfair I suppose to pregnant women if we didn't recognise that actually sometimes um, the, the barriers to kind of optimising our nutrition can be a challenge have you got any kind of tips Lucinda to overcome some of those I know we talked a little bit about kind of batch cooking and perhaps preparing a little bit ahead and thinking about things like tinned mackerel that might speed things up but any kind of tips to expect of mums to trying to get it as right as they can? I think it's just getting really simple ingredients. So you're thinking instead of getting the complicated extra zooped up yogurt, just get a big thing of Greek yogurt, get some frozen berries so that you've always got some to hand, um, always have some fruit in the fruit bowl. Um, you know, veg isn't expensive. Um, you can, you know, I'm, there was a survey done a few years ago and they found that you could do your five a day for under 50p a day, which is pretty wow, good. Yeah, that's brilliant. And remember, you get quite a big bag of carrots. Um, so one thing that I do do, which I find really helpful, is when we're chopping veg, like onions, you very rarely use a whole onion in cooking. I don't know if you, you, you find the same. It's sort of, sort of too overwhelming if you use the whole onion. So onions and leeks and carrots and things like that, I'll often put in little bags in the freezer. That's a brilliant idea. And herbs is quite good for that as well, isn't it? If you've got some fresh herbs, but they go off relatively quickly, you can chuck them all in as well. Absolutely. And you can make little ice cubes with olive oil and herbs in as well. I mean, all sorts of things. But I think just sort of being efficient with that kind of thing. So you, you, because I think the problem is trying to get the variety and can mean you end up buying quite a lot of things and then you don't use them up. Um, and then, you know, making them into soups so that you've got soup in the freezer, too, is a really good idea when, with the leftovers. Um, we I mean, I often do a sort of vegetable omelette for breakfast. So I sort of use all the sort of leftover spring onions and red on, red peppers and courgettes and, things, and peas and things like that um and i just bung them in with some eggs and some salt and pepper it's delish so um there are all sorts of things that you can do with the, with the leftover veg um but just just think you know is this simple is this a simple ingredient you know you just 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 keep it sort of and you can use like live yogurt you can use for so many different things in so many different meals with a curry or with your breakfast, or you can put it into pancakes as a sort of, as, as one of the ingredients or waffles. You can do, I mean, you can use it in so many different things, different ways. That's it. And all those things cut down on food waste as well, which helps to keep your food bill down. Mm. You're just using it in different ways and you've got to kind of back up in the freezer. So that all sounds amazing advice for sure. <laughs> Brilliant. Are there any other kind of key um, nutrients for kind of pregnancy and health, Lucinda, that we should be thinking about? Well, the last thing I really want to talk about is gut health, which a lot of people think, well, what are you talking about gut? I'm having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem related. Now, there's been a massive, massive amount of research over the last few years on gut health. And the reason is because inside our tummies, we have billions and billions of bacteria. And they're like a really diverse forest. They're like this, it's our own ecosystem. 
and we have some lots of really good guys in there but we also can have some not so nice guys in there and the, it's getting that balance right that's so important so when we get sick say you get salmonella the salmonella takes over and it goes and the body's going alert 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 and we have diarrhea um, and then it takes a long time for the good guys to build up and rebalance it and make it calm and and, and strong again um, so um, anyway, during pregnancy, we um, it's really important to optimize that beneficial bacteria, and that's where things like yogurt come in. There's I mean, a sort of relatively new yogurt called kefir with a K, which you can get in all the supermarkets now, even from Aldi up to Waitrose, and um, it's um, a, a, and you can get different flavors as well, so you don't have to go for the plain. It's a bit more fizzy. Mm. And a bit more sharp than normal yogurt. But anyway, that's got lots of this brilliant bacteria in there. But also the other things that build that bacteria, the good guys in your gut, are all the healthy foods. So the broad range of fruits and vegetables. So all those different colours. So I, when I'm talking to kiddies, I talk about eating the rainbow. And it's all about it, trying to eat different colours every day because those pigments all feed different parts of the gut microbiome. Now, why is the gut microbiome so important? So first of all, it will help you digest your food better. So they help to just extract the nutrients from the food you're eating. So they'll help to keep your mood um, and your weight and everything really healthy. Okay. But also it helps to modulate inflammation and inflammation, chronic inflammation is the thing that drives diabetes and all sorts of other conditions. And a lot of women do develop gestational diabetes. So that's why another reason why it's really important to eat the really healthy foods because that will help to hopefully prevent it. Um, the other thing is that um, these microbes also are thought to be able to prevent allergy, eczema, asthma, but also they've looked at neurodevelopmental things like attention deficit and autism. Now it's obviously it's not clear and not, you know, no one ever really knows for sure, but there are some links. And so if you have a healthy microbiome with the right bugs in there, then that is more likely to set this up for your baby's future. But also for your for, for the beginning of you becoming a mother, because those healthy bugs will also potentially help you with your mood and your energy and your sleep. So that even if your baby's a little bit out of whack, but you know, not sleeping too well or a little bit colicky, you'll be able to cope with it better. Because I think it was all about coping and keeping your mood and being strong. Because at the end of the day, in the majority of cases, the partner goes out to work and you're left with the baby all day. And obviously it's different at the moment we're in lockdown, but I'm hoping by the time people are having their babies that are listening to this podcast, we'll be out of lockdown and, uh, you know, and people will be back to work. But it's, it's pretty lonely and difficult sometimes. And actually, you need that resilience. And if you can have that resilience from within, that's really, really important. But just to share you, with you one little thing about the microbiome. So as I said, these are the bugs in the gut that we need. And what's really interesting is just a few weeks before you give birth, very important cells go from your gut to the back of your breasts. And this forms a channel called the dendritic cells. And these basically are past what mummy's microbiome is to the breast milk. So if your microbiome is healthy, when you're pregnant and in the first you know, few weeks of, 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 of the birth, then guess what? Your baby will also be fed with the good stuff too. 
So even if you're doing it not for you, but you're doing it for your baby, it's really, really important. And that, again, could potentially help with preventing colic and reflux and allergy cosmic allergies and all those sorts of things that can occur quite early on so hopefully you'll have a more settled baby if you can get that microbiome strong the other thing that happens is that when we give birth we pass that microbiome onto our baby or part of it when we're giving birth if it's a natural birth now a lot of women do have c-sections um, and it's thought that it is less likely for the baby to get those lovely microbes because they're not going through the birthing canal and therefore, if you do have a C-section, then you're going to have to think about this a little bit more. So that will be emphasizing the yogurt, the probiotics, you know, the good food, etc. And potentially thinking about giving your baby some probiotics to sort of give them a boost because they haven't got it from you, if you're sort of, I mean. Again, if your baby's born early, that's another idea too. And um, there's something called Bifido Infantis, which is a very specific probiotic that newborns need and it's been found that if you have a preterm baby um, and you give them bifido infantis their gut develops to be more robust and basically babies when they're little need a lot of this bifido infantis and it will prevent upper respiratory infections so all the bronchitis and colds and all those sorts of things um and um, but also really helps prevent the bad guys coming so upset tummies and things like that so it just makes everything stronger so it's really worth doing yeah and actually sounds really simple to do in terms of just having that variety I always try and totally guilty Cinder, of getting in that habit of buying the same stuff every week so I've started trying to challenge myself in that I just take a couple of different veggies this week than I what, what I might have gotten last week so even if that's Rather than orange carrots, I might get the purple variety or I might get some different leafy greens rather than my usual kind of broccoli or, or kale or switch it for cauliflower. Like those really simple little things that we can just do every day, can't we, that add up? Exactly. And then also, you know, things like stir fries, because they're usually a bit of everything. And, and that's a really good way of finishing up the fridge, you know, is bunging everything in from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, it's just, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to have radishes this week. You know, I haven't had a radish in months, you know, or a beetroot or a whatever. And just, just getting in the variety is really, really important. Yeah, it's quite good fun as well, I suppose, isn't it? We get to try different things and, and mix our food up, which keeps us kind of interested. Now, Lucinda, what, where is the stand with kind of um, probiotic supplements? Because I know this is a big thing at the moment that we see kind of advertised. And so I suppose, are they, are they necessary? How can we make sure we're choosing a good one if we, if we do choose them? Where do we even start? So I think if you've had a really uncomplicated pregnancy um, and you eat really well most of the time and you just think, yeah, you know what, I'm, I, I'm really nailing this, I'm doing well, you'll probably be okay. Um, however, if during pregnancy, say you need some antibiotics mm-hmm. or you have antibiotics around the birth and often straight afterwards people develop mastitis when they're breastfeeding etc then um yeah then the antibiotics can really put the microbiome out of whack and actually it's quite difficult to get it back immediately so sometimes it is a good idea to put this probiotic supplements in they're not absolutely necessary i think some people think they have to have probiotics through pregnancy etc there are studies that have shown that if a mother takes a 
the probiotics in the last three months, there might be less eczema, there might be less allergies or less asthma. Just, you know, the, the, the sort of hints towards that in the research. Um, but it's not absolutely necessary. You can do it through diet. But I think a lot of people say, yeah, we intend to do it through diet. But then reality kicks in, as I said, you know, they're having, they're vomiting a lot, even in late pregnancy, or um, they just find that, you know, there's not a decent lunch near work, and they haven't been organized about bringing their own lunch in, or, um, yeah, there are just things that get in their way, um, or they're just getting thrush a lot, or um, UTIs, or, you know, things like that, they just feel run down. Um, and sometimes that can really perk them up. So it is worth it. Again, we've got a really good hand pack collection. And there's a pregnancy one by Optibac that I absolutely love. And it's every single strain's been unbelievably well researched, all sorts of strains that can help with um, preventing early birth through to, um, you know, to helping with postnatal depression and all sorts of things. It's really well researched. And it's very well tolerated. So that's one that we do often choose is, is the Optibac one. Amazing. And I think that's a really nice point. We've kind of alluded a little bit to how our nutrition and our nutritional profile in pregnancy can have such a good impact post-birth. And one of the questions I get all the time from women is about how they're going to manage the postpartum period. Mm -hmm. And actually, all this stuff we've talked about is going to set you in a really good stead for having hopefully the most kind of positive start to motherhood that, that you can as well. So it's setting you up for those those months that follow as well, isn't it? I promise you, it is a really, really tough few months, however strong you're feeling. But if you can do it with a bit of joy in your heart and you just feel like you're just coping okay, it will make such a difference. But that's when your partner really, really matters, um, I think, in that first three months and working out that they don't work such long hours or they're around a bit more or, you know, if we're out of all these horrible restrictions that, you know, your mum can be around or a sister can be around, friends, and do accept as much food on the doorstep and all those easy things, that's great. And just reach out for help, you know, just say, hi, I'm struggling and someone will be able to help. Yeah, they really will. If help isn't offered, then ask for it. I think sometimes we're a little bit worried to um, ask new mums if they want some help and um, a fear of kind of offending. But actually, everyone is more than happy to come and help you and hold the baby while you have 10 minutes, have a nice bath or eat a new nourishing meal. <laughs> so please, please ask for the help for sure, for sure. It, it is the dreamiest thing to hold someone else's baby. I promise you, it's absolutely <laughs> divine. So most people are just gagging for that you know they're desperate to have a hug and then you can go off and have an, a bath and a nap yeah um, that's part of my job all these newborn babies i love it <laughs> <laughs> amazing now lucinda i just wonder if there's any kind of deficiencies that you see perhaps more commonly in pregnancy i know certainly one that i see is anemia in pregnancy and those kind of that lack of iron um, in our diet I just wonder if there's anything that kind of springs to your mind or any supplements that you might recommend around around those kind of issues. So a lot of people do become anemic when they're pregnant and there are, you know, ethnic reasons and genetic reasons why someone might become more anemic than others. But there's also a dietary thing. And I think a lot of us have got rather scared of eating red meat and and you don't eat liver when you're pregnant and all these sorts of things. So a lot of people can become quite low in iron and it is difficult. It really is quite difficult to eat enough 
Um, so, um, and becoming anemic is, you know, it means you've really, really gone very low. Um, and you're hoping to keep your ferritin, which is your iron stores, at above 30 and ideally above 50 to feel really well. And that can be an impact on your baby's um, development if you don't have enough iron during pregnancy. Now, in terms of supplements, if a doctor does offer them, please take them because they're much stronger than you can buy on in any health food shop. Now, some people don't do very well on them. They've become incredibly constipated. And that's a sort of a bit of a double-edged sword because they need it, but you know, they just are in too much pain or you know, it's just too uncomfortable. So that's where sometimes, you know, to reach out and get the more natural stuff, but then you will need to sort of come look and see, oh, gosh, I need a lot more in my diet. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people are going plant-based for various reasons. And, and and it is, as I said, you have to eat a kilo of beetroot a day. Wow. To get that That's a lot of red wheat, isn't it? <laughs> it's a lot of red wheat. So, exactly. So, you know, you do need an awful lot. So don't think that, you know, a little bit of beetroot and a little bit of spinach on the side is going to do enough. Um, so you do need to monitor those and really take take action if they are low. One of my tips to get the iron in is to have lots of vitamin C with it. And to avoid having, is another reason not to have the tea and coffee, avoid having tea and coffee at the same time. Um, also having milk at the same time can block the vitamin C. So it's actually really important just to sort of have, uh, you know, um, so I know you might have some lentils or apricots or chickpeas, and then you might have, you know, an orange for pudding or something. And that would be a really good thing to sort of as a mixture. Um, I'm so pleased you say that because so commonly if we do um, offer ladies um, iron supplementation, they'll typically take it in the morning with a bowl of cereal that's got milk in and a cup of tea. I know. <laughs> you might as well not take it. So I always say if that is what you're having for breakfast, fine, but take your iron tablets a couple of hours later with, like you say, some fresh fruit or something that is rich in vitamin C so you can absorb it. <laughs> not many people know that, so thank you, Pip, for sharing that information. It's so important. Um, so yes, iron levels are big, and obviously the plant-based people also have to really watch their B12, which again is really important for neurological development and mood and feeling, you know, well and engaged in life um, and being flexible as well. It really does help to have a sort of flexible mind if you have a lot of B12. So it's sort of that's quite key. So again, B12 is really hard to get through plants only, so it will need to be supplemented if you don't eat any meat or eggs or fish or or, or dairy products. Um, so that's really, really critical. Um, what else? Sometimes people have come back as quite low in magnesium and that often manifests in aches and pains and rested legs. So a lot of women will complain of rested legs when they're pregnant. Um, and what I usually recommend is something called an Epsom salt bath. So you put a couple of cups of magnesium sulfate in the bath and you can buy these in big sacks. And you just soak in the bath for 20 minutes. It really helps with the aches and pains, helps you sleep well, um, and it helps with the restless legs. So getting lots of magnesium in, and again, that's another call for the greens, the nuts, and some good chocolate as well, some cocaine. Yeah. Yes, definitely, definitely. I feel like we should definitely prescribe good chocolate. <laughs> I'm a big fan, actually, of Epsom salt bath. So I'm not pregnant, but I do lots of running, and I find that after a few long runs, I get awful restless legs, but those baths are incredible for just sorting, sorting your legs out because it is really irritating otherwise. Absolutely. <laughs> Amazing, Lucinda, we've given loads of information that hopefully will really support some pregnant ladies to just, like we say, just start exploring actually this amazing power that you have over the nutrition of yourself and your growing baby. 
I wonder whether you could try and give us three top tips to optimizing pregnancy nutrition. I know it's going to be really hard to narrow it down to three. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Okay, I'll give it a go. So, um, first of all, cook from scratch as much as possible. Build in as much variety as possible. And try and make every mouthful as nutritious as possible. Oh, I love that. That's brilliant. That was nice and concise. <laughs> Amazing. Now, as I said, I will absolutely link um, Lucinda's website, NatureDoc, in the um, bio and Lucinda's contact details. So if you've got any more questions or want to get in touch about having a consultation and, and trying to optimize all our nutrition and pregnancy, then, then you can. But Lucinda, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm just in awe of all your knowledge. I absolutely love it. And I just hope we can spread this message as far and wide as possible. Oh, I've absolutely loved our chat, Pip. And thank you for being the most incredible midwife who actually understands all of this. <laughs> I just love it because I just think it's so fascinating. And as women, it's so empowering to be able to make all these changes that are actually really easy to do. They are easy and they're enjoyable as well. You know, lots of yummy food, things like berries and chocolate and, you know, and, and not hard to eat. Oh, no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lucinda. And I hope to chat really soon. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you found it helpful, then please hit subscribe and leave a review. It really does make a huge difference to the number of women we can reach out to and empower. For daily free information, inspiration, or details on our bespoke antenatal education courses, head over to my social medias at midwife underscore pip and my website, midwifepip.com. I would love to hear from expectant mums who have found this episode useful and wish to embrace further support on their wellness journey. Pop your details in the Your Pregnancy Journey tab on my website and I will be back in touch. Thank you and see you next time. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.